Houston. You're live in the hive with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Garrick on uh, Twitter and text says, over the last three seasons across baseball, there have only been nine center fielders with an OPS of 800 or more. Mullins in 21, J-Rod Nimmo in 22. For this year, not counting Chaz. Bellinger, uh, Luis Robert, Lars Newtbar, and uh, Nimmo again. It shows you how good that the Chaz McCormick's been. You know, one thing that's also very... (laughs) One thing that's also promising for the Astros and their future is they have a lot of players under club control that are very good. Kyle Tucker, now he's going to get expensive in arbitration, but you still have him for two more years. Very good. You've signed... Christian Javier to a longer-term deal. He's not having the best of year. Jordan Alvarez, long-term deal. Frommer Valdez still has two years of club control after this one. Chaz McCormick still has three years of club control after this one. Jeremy Pena still has four years of club control after this one. Yiner Diaz still has five years of club control after this one. Like, you have some legitimate, Doobie. really Doobie's good players. he has got multiple years yeah. under team control. I, I mean, I a, as your utility guy. Yeah, yeah you, he's multiple years of yeah. team control. So, like, your roster, you're not losing much of it. Like you're a lot of your core and nucleus is very good, and you have some younger players that are going to be here for the next three to four seasons that you're relying on, like Chaz, like Pena, like you expect to rely on Yiner, uh, France, Hunter Brown. Yeah. Like yep. I mean, we forgot those guys as well. So that's promising about the future of the Astros as well is that you have a lot of players that are still going to be here for a while that are also cheap, which is and always that's what very I also think important. leads itself to to the to the scenario where Chaz is always in center field because you're going to have some money for the next couple of years to kind of play around with to try and improve left field so that you can add a bat while you can, while you can afford it before some of those guys start getting into their contract years where you're going to have to shell out some cash and you're going to have to make some more longer-term commitments at a bigger price. I think that's why it really says, regardless of what kind of seasons he's capable of having the rest of the way, if he is your starting center fielder, he gives you a better option than most, most center fielders in the league. Yeah, yeah, he does. It's a, it's a nice problem to have. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. ESPN put together a ceiling and a floor. Ceiling is the roof for every NFL team in the NFL, and they they you know relied on their ESPN guy to do this. So this was our friend DJ Bianami, mm-hmm. uh, who put together this list for the Houston Texans. Before we look at DJs, though, I want to ask you guys, BMAC, you're included. Uh, you are two listeners. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. And we do this a lot. I mean, we look at the range of teams and like, okay, it's going to be a between four and whatever amount of wins. What is the range for the Texans from the floor to the ceiling? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Blankers, what do you have it at? What's We're doing the floor? wins. What's yeah the, the record? Floor for me is four. Okay, four and thirteen. Yeah, I think that eight would be the ceiling. Okay, so that's yeah. a, that's I think that's a good range. Yeah, I think four, four to eight. eight. Wins. I'd love to say nine. I just don't think they're there yet. And I want to say with their schedule, even if they hit bumps in the road, I don't think they're going to go over or dabble in the ones and twos. I think they'll be able to stack at least four wins. That's um okay. So I mean, if you're if you're eight and nine, depending on when you get those wins, you might be in the graphic of in the hunt. Yep. But with a seven team, you know, entering the playoffs, and then also you're fighting for a five hundred record, depending when you I get think those that would eight encourage wins. your fan base. Yeah, if you're in the high end of your range, that's that's a heck of a year. And then you know the black cloud that we don't like to talk about. Right. What do you got at B Mac? I'm pretty close to where Joel is, but I'm a little bit wider. I do think the floor is. I, I put the floor at three games. I do think there is a possibility with this wide receiver crew, if the offensive line doesn't get healthy, if CJ Stroud isn't any good, that they could basically repeat the record of, of last year. But if CJ Stroud does take 
that leap and has like a Justin Herbert type of rookie year where he's you know up around thirty touchdowns like Herbert was, then I I, I could see them getting all the way up to nine wins. So yeah. I'll go three to nine. Bmax went zero to seventeen. Is the is the range. <laughs> three, three to nine? nine three, <laughs> three to nine wins for the Texans is the range. So that that has them as a winning record. See the optimistic side of Bmax nine and eight is that that's that's fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah. That's fighting for a playoff spot in D'Amico Ryan's first year. The pessimism, pessimism of it's pretty pessimistic is that mm, that three wins might be the second pick of the NFL draft. Well, at three least you wins get your quarterback. Be the first pick of the NFL draft. Nope. So like Never that mind. that is a that's a wide range, and not only is it a wide range of like three to nine, but it's a wide range of potential emotions. Because if you're at the bottoms, if that's your floor. You that that I mean the Bears had three wins last year. They had the number one pick in the NFL draft. So if you win three, that's the number one pick of the NFL draft, and that's going to Arizona. You win nine. You're talking about potentially D'Amico Ryan's in the playoffs in year one. That that was that's a, a roller coaster of emotions for what uh, Bmax range is. I have it at like I, I think the Texans are winning six games. Six. So my range is five to seven. Like I, I think that the floor is seven, mostly because of their their schedule. Like their schedule is so poor. I think they're going to figure out. They're going to find ways to win a few games. They're going to find ways to to rack up some victories. I also think their defense is good enough to where they're going to win some football games. But I think their offense is going to be limited in year one to where they're not going to win a ton of football games. So my range is actually pretty small. I, my ceiling is seven, and my floor for the Texans is five. That's fair. Uh, I just think that the the fear for me is going to be that regardless of which Doppler radar, I know that people call you racist, so I want to make sure we know that the black one person, the did, black yeah. cloud, one is person did. the fact that it is the potential that you won't have the control of your own pick. You gave it away in the trade to Arizona. I, I just that is going to linger with me all season. That you and I, even the night the trade the trade was made, we were like, we don't know how it's all going to play out, but not a big fan of having to give up your own pick. Right now. In a year or two, totally get it because I think this team is definitely trending upward. But it scares me to death that people have been almost overconfident because of D'Amico. And, and Why does it the, scare you, though? It I, scares me that they could fall flat on their face and win three games to BMAX point or four to, to where I thought the basement would be. And in that range of three to four, sitting there with either okay. Marvin Harrison Jr. or another chance at another quarterback if, like BMAX said, that, that you know CJ just doesn't play well. You'd have so many more options that would get you catapulted for, uh, so you're further scared, forward faster. You're scared of the opportunity cost of losing the top one, two, three pick. I, I, I thought I thought you meant more. I, I just like feel the like fan they're not there yet. Like feeling about the team. Okay, I love that they're they're back in the team no matter what. I just had the realistic feeling all along from the time the trade was made that there it was too soon to make that kind of move to give up your own pick. I would say if it helps you feel better, Joel, the the, the reports coming out, out around the Browns are not very positive with Deshaun Watson. Even yeah. Eagles reporters were picking it up on this last week. So Deshaun yeah. Watson is the same Deshaun Watson we saw last year. I don't think there's going to be much difference between those two picks. Ocho says 10 wins is the ceiling of Case Place. Oh, I just hope he can play because uh, he's been hurt. Now, the how much do you care about the Browns pick? Do you view those things as one conversation? Your pick, Browns pick, or are they two different conversations? Your pick, Browns pick. I think it's two conversations because to me, I looked at each pick. I think the it was just a bonus and a and, and a good a good luxury that you have two first round picks next year. But I personally was banking on that Texans pick staying with the Texans for one more year minimum because I felt it was going to be too valued, valuable to give away, and, and because I just didn't feel the roster was completely there yet. I thought D'Amico was going to have to settle in 
over the first year, there was probably going to be some growing pains along the way. And I felt like you weren't like an established playoff team or a team that felt like we're on the way up so, so strongly. I feel about this. I can afford to give up my pick. 713-780-ESPN. What is your range for the Houston Texans? 713-780. We're all over the place. Blankers 4-8. to eight. I'm 5-7. to seven. And then BMAC was 3-9, to nine, right? You said 9, not 10. 3-9. to nine. 713-780-3776. What is the range for the Texans? Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Bobby Miami makes his phone debut on potentially the last day of the Killer Bees. Bobby Miami, what's up? What's up, fam? Damn, how come you guys can't get it right? What's going on? Bobby, I mean, don't get in trouble for being on the phone. We're, we're pl- pleased to hear from you, but we did kind of hear what Paul had to say about what you said about Paul and us, and it was, you know, two-faced as much as BMAC and I were in your corner from, from, from the get, from the jump. That's what I was trying to say, not to misconstrue anything, but what I was trying to say is I'm complimenting the station, you know what I mean? Like, I got you. Overall, then, to clarify, of course, I brought you what I wrote you, but... You know, I know it was kind of long, but just was, trying to extend myself. You know what I mean? It was it was a little long. You're trying to extend four, yourself. Four hundred and eighty-five words. So, are you off work, Bobby Miami? Did Bezos let you off early yeah, on a Friday? Yeah, I'm on my break. On I'm on break. my break. I'm on my break. All right, I like that. Yeah, so, you're sure. trying to extend yourself on your break? I'm, I'm sorry. You're trying to extend yourself on your break? Extend myself? Yeah, I don't you know said you, were, about you just Bobby. said you were trying to extend yourself. I mean, that's when you made the comments. It so, was fine. So, Bobby, how many? What's the range you have for the Texans? What's their uh, What's their floor? What's their ceiling? For you guys, for Houston, yeah, yeah. for the Texans. Uh, maybe close to the playoffs. Oh, might fight for the wild card. Not sure. Okay. All yeah. right, Bobby. Appreciate you the know call. I got to go with my home team, man. I is going to go all the way. Oh, I believe so. Bobby, it's we have, not, we make bets around here. Bobby, Bobby Miami says he loves I, the Killer Bees, and then he says the Dolphins are going all the way. <laughs> Do you pay your oh, bets, Bobby? I got to sell up for my city, man. Come on now. Fair you know enough. That. I did. I did find out something earlier with the Galano show. It said that you know I, I didn't know we stole your fight song from the Oilers. That that's new. The Dolphins me. did. So I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah. I just saw, yeah. You guys put that on the on the show on the Galano show this morning. Love you, Blue. I didn't realize the Dolphins. I didn't know that. I didn't realize the Dolphins stole Love You, Blue. I didn't know that was their song. Appreciate the call, Bobby Miami. We appreciate your support. Love you, too. Uh, let us know anytime you got something to say. I think Dolphins fans will claim the Oilers stole it, but we don't have to get into that. Yeah, I didn't even know the not... history of that. I'll have yeah, to you, keep diving. You know, the lookout, can... Oilers, here we go, that, that yeah. song from way back. Yeah, Dolphins fans will claim they had that first. That's Obviously, with different that. words. I, I've never heard the Dolphins version of that. I'll have to check it out. Adele will play it for you. 713-780-3776. Range for the Texans. Go back out don't to the HRP the way, we should make line. A bet Thomas, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Thomas? How's it going, boys? Um... Let's see. I mean, look, I've been pretty level-headed throughout the offseason, like some of the free agent signings. Uh, you know, hit or miss, was, I didn't like Shad, I like Will Anderson. Uh, you know, love Dimiko coming on. But when you look at the list, it goes back to whoever noted, noted the schedule. When you look at the list of QBs, and we really believe Dimiko Ryans is this elite-level defensive mind, whether he's calling plays or not. You know, he's, you know, he, you know, he's putting the people in place to call the plays or whatever. You have to think that defense, let alone with the talent at the starting position, moving a lot of people who've played the last two or three years as depth pieces, you have to think like that defense can beat a bunch of the quarterbacks from playing. So that one makes me buy the ticket for the over. Okay. I just put in a hundred bucks for the six, six and a, over six and a half. I'm guessing seven games, but yeah, I mean, I just, just looking at that, that lineup of quarterbacks for playing, that's what I'm thinking. So 
I'll hang up and listen. All right. Appreciate the call. She said five to ten. Was that's a high end? That's a high end range there. If you're talking about ten wins, punch the ticket for over six and a half. It had to have right. If you yeah. if you have it at five to ten, you have to punch that over. Uh, DJ B enemy on his start his story on the ESPN.com. He had he had his ceiling at nine and his floor at four. So he's pretty similar to you. Yeah. You had it four to eight. He had it four to nine. He talked about Pierce and all that stuff. Let's get one more on the Texans range. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Julian, what do you have the Texans range at? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. I think the ceiling is five. And, I mean, sorry. I think okay. the floor is five. Okay. And I think y'all's ceiling is nine. Because ceiling, everything's going to go right. DJ Stroud's going to be a baller. Defense is going to be top ten. Um, no injuries. Singly. Hey, I said this. I had a bold statement or let him cook, right? I did it on, on uh, the bench. Yeah. Singly will have a better year than Sauce Gardner. Ooh. I hope so. That is bold. Julian, do you like the, do you like the Texans a little bit more now that D'Amico's the head coach? You know, I, I I think I told you guys this once before. I'm not a hater anymore. Okay. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not a hater anymore. I like it. If okay. that means anything, Jimmy Appreciate Ward will turn you around. Appreciate it, Julian. Have a nice weekend. So, what do you want your bet to with Bobby Miami to be? Well, I'm just saying maybe he'll pay, right? So we got a guy that might be a little more reputable. So maybe you can we can make. But the what best. is what is the what are the parameters of the bet that they don't go seventeen they, they, and zero? Well, no, well, they're not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'd bet that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if he's that confident in, in the Finns and he's that loyal, you know, a lot of loyal fans make dumb bets. Yeah, Bobby Miami, tell me some stakes. We, I'll make a bet with Bobby Miami. I will, too. He sent me a selfie that I'm still uncomfortable with. 713-780-3776. The Will of Bits. We're moving it to 215 today. Todd Callis, voice of your Houston Astros, is joining us at 230. So the Will of Bits next. We'll see what BMAC has in store for the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 on FM Radio. AM is stupid. <laughs> got him. 610, please. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kittles and bits, kittles and bits. I'm going to get me some kittles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time for start, sit, cut. Here's Joel and Jeremy and Joe. <laughs> start, sit, cut. Hey, getting better. You got it. My ear is doing good. Start, sit, cut. All right, B-Mac. Maybe it's B-Mac. He just he set, he, he gets the levels right, and you can clearly hear the enunciation. I love B-Mac. I don't think it's B-Mac. <laughs> Let's try well, to throw right, Joe thanks. under the bus before we go to the weekend. Yeah. We'll all right, so uh, start, sit, cut. I'm going to make you uh, make some difficult choices here with uh, Texas icons, things that are legendary to the state of Texas. And I'm starting off with uh, some things that are actually right behind Joel, the 34. Start, sit, cut. Nolan Ryan, oh, Akeem Olajuwon, Earl Campbell. Wow. I told you, tough decisions today. Okay. I, uh, all right, so for me, I will start by saying, when you look at the three, th- and again, I want to start by saying I am not going to try and take away or put down any of the thirty-four. Soft, right? But I well, but I'm gonna still make my statement. <laughs> For me, the easy one is start Akeem Olajuwon. He's the greatest player in franchise history by a long shot. Sorry, James Harden, not sorry. Akeem Olajuwon led the city to its first championship. He did it in back-to-back seasons and gave you two. He he, he every he was you know ketchup and mustard through and through. He represented the city every single year doing all the things that he did, and he played his entire career except for one year that I want to throw away with Toronto here in this city. Earl played for the Saints. Nolan played for the Mets and the Angels and the Rangers as well. He had a lot of different years with a lot, and a career full of a lot of different teams. 
Elijah one is my start. My sit is probably Earl because he was the love you blue era. I mean, he was the epitome of Houston Oilers football as much as it was Warren moon. And it was all the different ways they, you know, they slung it around the field with Billy white shoes and Givens and all. And the defense was great. I just feel like Nolan, because he played with so many other teams for as good as he was in his career, I'm going to start Elijah Wan, I'm going to sit Earl, and I'm going to cut Nolan. Now, Nolan did play more years in Houston than Earl did. That's fine. More teams, sure. Now, Nolan's career was just 27 years, and Earl's was nine. mm -hmm. So, I mean, Earl played seven of his nine years with the Houston Oilers, where Nolan Ryan played... Nine of his twenty-seven years, right? Longevity they, matters. They in that pretty way. much had similar postseason success. They didn't get to the last series of their, uh, you know, of their sports, but mm-hmm. they got to the championship series before that. I, I, honestly, I think the start is easy. I, I think the start is easy. The start mm-hmm. is Akeem Olajuwon. I, I think that there are two athletes in this city talking about the three majors that are ahead of anybody else, and it's Olajuwon and it's Altuve ahead of anybody else. They're in a tier by themselves. Olajuwon, Altuve, three majors. They're in a tier all alone. Is JJ not in it because he didn't win it? it yeah, yeah, he didn't. He didn't win. I yeah. mean, Akeem Olajuwon yeah. has two. Well, Jose Altuve yeah, I mean, has two. It, JJ right? Watt has zero. Right. Sorry, like I mean, Watt's in that second tier, but Watt Watt doesn't have the postseason success. Watt it. wasn't in a parade down the streets of Houston. Altuve was twice. Akeem was twice. So Akeem and Altuve are in a tier by themselves. Uh, like the whole Mount Rushmore Houston athlete shouldn't be a Mount Rushmore. It should be a, a statue of two. Jose Altuve. And Hakeem Olajuwon. And then you have a bunch of really good ones after that. Nolan and Earl is a fascinating conversation. And it is very, very difficult to see who's on my bench. Nolan never won a Cy Young, which is kind of interesting, that right? Like, you look at the career of Nolan Ryan. How did he not win a Cy Young? That's, I don't know. You tell me. How did he not win a Cy Young? But he never won a Cy Young. He was runner-up once. Now, he has all the no-hitters, stuff like that. Earl Campbell's career was shorter, led the league in rushing three times, and was the... AP Offensive Player of the Year three times. Like, Earl Campbell three times was the best player on his side of the ball. Three times. Voting tells me that Nolan Ryan was never the best pitcher in the league for one single year. I think I got to go Earl Campbell over Nolan Ryan. I hate to say it. Uh, That's why I said I think Earl is the epitome of what Love You Blue was. That's a tough one, though. Whereas I think that Nolan Ryan was a a great pitcher and part of some Decent teams, but I think both individually and team-wise, I, I, I got to go Earl. Yeah, we're going to make a lot of people mad with that. <laughs> okay. We were going to make a lot of people mad no matter how Correct. we answered that. That's there why was I no said, right answer here yeah, other, B-Mag, other than the key B-Mag starting. sabotaging us on our final day because he, he's, he's, he's here Bush, one Bush day. Me. Are you here Monday? Uh, no, I think I I'm here next Thursday and Friday, though, when you guys – well, I mean, I don't know if you're going to be at Circa. I don't know if you'll still be here, but oh, whoever's man. in this slot will be at Circa. All right, uh, another uh, group of uh, Texas icons for you guys to start, sit, cut, and then we uh, maybe need to compare these Miami Dolphins, Houston Oilers fight songs back-to-back. But choose, uh, start, stick, cut, Texas icons, Bucky's, Waterburger, and Bluebell. Man, start, he's just stick, choosing cut. violence today. Did you ever? <laughs> did you make any choices in the 34s? Yeah, you uh, I actually, I'll go with Ke- I'll start Akeem. I will, um, I'll, I'll, I'll bench Nolan Ryan, and I'll cut Earl Campbell. Mm, okay, I okay. think the totality of Nolan Ryan's career was greater than Earl. Yeah, that one's that one's very tough. That one's okay. very very close. So you said Bucky's, Waterburger, and Bluebell. Yes, Texas icons. Start, sit, cut. I am going to I'm going to start Waterburger because I believe that there's so many options. I think the chicken strip sandwich is awesome. There's I think probably more options than Bucky's. I, I'm talking about from my own personal standpoint. I like all the different options at Waterburger. I think Waterburger 
is above in and out Burger. I know that there's that's a longstanding call, <laughs> but I think that Whataburger is Texas through and through, and I like their food, so I'm going to say Whataburger yeah. starts. I think that I am going to sit Bucky's because, again, having clean bathrooms is huge when you're on the road, but yeah. also the fact that you still do have, like you said, all the variety, all the options, all the possibilities, which are a, a step above, if not more than a step above, any other convenience store or gas station you stop at. And then Bluebell, I'm going to cut just because you have so many options in ice cream that even though it's really good, I think you have other really good ice creams you could go to. And from America's Dairyland, I think I could be a connoisseur of ice cream. Man, this is a hard one. I, that, I'm going to I'm going to have to cut Bluebell. Dinner is my favorite meal of the day, okay. and I feel like I'm going to get better dinner options on a routine basis at Waterburger. So I got to go Waterburger here as well. Bucky's is also okay. Waterburger is also a long line sometimes, and they take forever. Uh, Bucky's oftentimes Bucky's is so jam packed that I don't want to stop water. there. I mean, yeah, I guess, but they can still go a little faster, and they're super slow. Bucky's is always so crowded. Bucky's is super crowded, and someone who doesn't love traffic, I don't love that Bucky's is always crowded. Their square footage is also massive to where you can still get through. Do you go to the one in Madisonville, though, on a Saturday? Like, it's lined up to the highway. It's ridiculous how crowded the one the in Madison is. cars or just the line to check out? No, I'm talking about the cars on the exit to the Bucky's in really? Madisonville are in standstill traffic looking for oh, space at Bucky's. It's, it is. That's what I'm saying. So, like, the traffic at Bucky's is probably why I'm going to cut Bucky's, honestly. Now, you get Bucky's on a quiet morning and you can put a little brisket taco, a little hippo taco. Fantastic. They're, they're brisket. I've got great chop bri- too. Yeah, the chopped brisket. They have, chop a, brisket, they have a decent bakery. Like, Bucky's is good. But the Bucky's traffic gets on my nerves. So I'm probably going to cut Bucky's because of that. Sorry. Waterburger also gets on my nerves with how long that they take. But I have a specific Waterburger that I like to go to that's very, very quick. And again, I, I'm, I'm getting better dinner options at Waterburger than I am Bucky's. So I'm going to start Waterburger. I'm going to sit Bluebell because you want dessert kind of sitting around waiting for you. And then I'm going to cut Bucky's. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Joel, kind of Joel's uh, thought process here of the most replaceable. And I think I could get better ice cream options after Bluebell compared to the other two. But I'm going to go with, uh, so I'm going to bend or I'm going to cut uh, Bluebell. I'm going to start Whataburger mm-hmm. uh, just because I'm not really at a Bucky's all that often. I think if there was a Bucky's near me, I would choose Bucky's because it's got more things. I would like yeah. it. I would be able to use it more. But Bucky's is right now pretty much only if I'm going up to Dallas or San Antonio. So I'll start Whataburger. I will uh, cut uh, or I'll, I'll bench Bucky's and I'll cut Bluebell. Do we think it's a miss that there aren't more Bucky's that are more conveniently located, more kind of I mean, they're in popping the, up, though. It, they are, because I'm saying now they're be, starting to pop up, but did they miss their biggest window of where they really could have capitalized that I if there know, were more Bucky's closer by? I think it's by? strategic. I mean, they, yeah. want you, they want to be in places where you haven't seen anything for, you know, 30 minutes, 45 mm-hmm. minutes, and it's no. kind of like that oasis in the desert. Yeah, I don't think they missed the boat. They're so making Bucky's millions. was your they're corner banking. store. No, I don't think so. It wouldn't be as cool. Well, they used to have. Uh, there was. There used to be a small one in Alvin. There used to be. I think it's really still there. Small, uh, really small Bucky's in various. There's a, there's locations. a smallish one in Pearland too. Yeah, yeah. So there are yeah. small ones, but yeah, the, the big ones I think are me- meant to be oasis in the desert. Yeah, the nostalgia of it. Also, like Bucky's, awesome. Love Bucky's. But if the favorite thing to do at a Bucky's is to use its toilet. It makes it difficult to put on a start list. You know what I mean? But if you've been with, if, if you've driven an hour without seeing it's a bathroom you'd clutch. want to go to, it's very clutch. It's clutch. Yeah. I mean, there's times whenever I pass a lot of places to get to Bucky's first. Damn, V-Mac chose violence. 713-780-3776. The, ra- the, not the radio voice, the TV voice of the Houston Astros, Todd Callis, joins us next on The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. 
ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Sweet Sassy Molassie. Get out the checkbook and pay Grandma for the rubdown as the Spurs beat the Heat. All teams coming. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Let's go straight out to the HRP guest line, being joined by the voice of the Houston Astros. Our visits with Todd Callis, presented by Academy and the Daspit Law Firm. Todd, thanks for taking a few minutes and for being flexible in your schedule. So Astros team's playing really well since the All-Star break. What are some things you've noticed to, to lead to this good play from the Astros? Well, part of it getting healthy again. Going to be on with you guys. Uh, getting out to Van Alvarez back obviously changes the lineup big time, and hopefully Brantley will be shortly to follow. But uh, right now they have all the offensive weapons that they've been missing over the year, and the pitching's been solid. It hasn't been the best. Uh, we saw the pitching a little bit better earlier in the season, but tonight's guy, uh, J.P. Francis, been as solid as anybody. So I look forward to this first game of what should be a big series between the Astros and the Mariners. Yeah, and, and TK, we see the reports coming out of Sugarland. We know we've been down this road before. I've been hesitant to even want to address the, the the Michael Brantley situation until he actually puts on an Astros uniform. But with him seemingly close to actually being another big offensive piece or a piece to this Astros offensive puzzle going forward, how do you see him fitting in if he if and when he does return to this Astros team? In terms of where he is in the lineup, that's a good question. He's going to fit in because he's one of the better hitters that's ever played the game of baseball. So it's just a matter of where Dusty wants to put him. Off of a long layoff, it might be asking a lot to put him in the two spot, but I know that's where Dusty's been very comfortable with him in the past. Uh, So we'll just have to see. Wherever he is, whether it's two, whether it's five, whether it's six or seven, uh, he's just going to lengthen out this lineup. Uh, The guy just puts the bat on the ball. He hits the ball hard on on a consistent basis. He's one of the best hitters of our generation. And even if he can't play three days in a row or five days in a week, uh, just having him in there a few days uh, in the lineup is going to really change things for the Astros. Todd, you mentioned he hits the ball hard. That's the thing that's been, uh, I've noticed with his recent rehab assignment with Sugarland is that he's hitting the ball hard. His exit velo is over 100, had a couple that were above 90 yesterday. I, I think he's going to hit, and I really don't care where he's at in the batting order. I care more that he's in the batting order. Now, defensively, is interesting to me because it's kind of like Jordan, right? He's either a left fielder or he's a DH. We saw him have a first baseman early in the year. They haven't done that this stint in Sugarland. Where do you think Dusty could deploy him defensively if he uses him defensively at all? I'm curious to see if during the rehab they do try him out at first base, talking to Michael Brantley, because he's obviously always been a left fielder in his career, and that's where he's most comfortable. But uh, if you can get him a spot start at first base if, uh, during the absence of Jose Abreu, that would be huge. But if he doesn't start any games during the rehab at first base, then I would think that's out of the question. So uh, we'll just have to watch to see where they position him. Right now he's played two games in left field in the last three days. He'll probably get... Uh, back-to-back days at some point. I do think they'll kind of lean on Michael at this point and, and let him tell the Astros when he's ready as opposed to saying, hey, we think he should be ready in this amount of time. I think it's at the point of his career where Michael knows his body and knows what it takes to play at the big league level. So I think they'll pretty much leave it in Michael's hands. He's, he's, they're going to trust him to tell them when he's ready. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing, seeing him get a start or two at first base if he's comfortable there, but for now he's only played in left field. TK, we've talked about just all the different 
guys that have stepped up this year for this team to be able to sustain all the injuries and all the setbacks and be where they are right now and be within striking divi- uh, distance of the division with everybody fearing the Astros in the playoffs. You've had all these different individuals step up. We've had J.P. France have just an unbelievable season. Chaz doing what Chaz does. Dubon early in the season. If you had to single it out and just say one, the one guy that you weren't maybe necessarily counting on as heavily as they did that made the biggest difference, who would it be? Well, you brought up some good examples there. And it's hard to argue with Chaz with a 920-ish OPS, wherever he is now. That's phenomenal and way beyond what uh, anybody, even maybe even the McCormick family, could have hoped for coming into this year. It's, it's been an incredible year for Chaz. But when you talk about the most important player on this team, and Mauricio Dumont also deserves to be in the conversation. What he did when Altuve was out was beyond what anybody could have expected. He had, he had and continues to have the best year of his career. Uh, but it's hard to argue against J.P. France being the most important, just because uh, as good and as, as deep as this pitching staff was last year, it just hasn't had the depth this year. Uh, when you lose Lance McCullers Jr. and uh, Luis Garcia and Jose Arquiti for four months, uh, you're going to be tested, and, and if J.P. France doesn't do what he has done, uh, instead of being down two and a half, they might be down six and a half right now. So I would say, you know, J.P. France has been the biggest surprise, just knowing where he was in the pecking order coming out of spring training and knowing that he is now potentially a guy that could get a start for you in the playoffs and, and could be, you know, a candidate for rookie of the year as good as he's been. Being joined by Todd Callis on the HRP guest line, our conversations presented by Academy and the Daspit Law Firm. Speaking of that rotation, we'll see Jonathan Patrick France uh, go to, go on the mound tonight for the Astros, toe-to-toe. Really good mitch, uh, pitching matchup when you look at it. Miller on the mound opposite of J.P. France. But France today, Fromber tomorrow, Brown Sunday. This starts a stretch of 19 in 20 days. What do you think the Astros are going to do rotation-wise? Are we going to see a six-man? Are we going to see Justin Verlander pitch every fifth day? How does Urquidy play into the mix? And, and Christian Javier as well. Yeah, good question. I think what you're going to see is Verlander is going to pretty much whatever he wants that he's comfortable with, the Astros will kind of try to accommodate him as much as they can, knowing that at the same time they can't have guys go 10 days, 12 days without pitching. So I think you're going to maybe see a hybrid of that six-man or five-man rotation, if you will, and it's actually not a bad thing. I knew at this trade deadline it was important that the Astros find a pitcher who could eat up innings. Little did I know they were getting the reigning Cy Young Award way back, so uh, that was a bonus. But, yeah, I think Justin is going to want to pitch more than maybe once every seven or eight days when they do have these days off. So they'll kind of mix and match like we've seen in the past where J.P. France got a, a timeout of the bullpen. We just saw Hunter Brown get a timeout of the bullpen. Uh, you may see Christian Javier get a timeout of the bullpen, maybe even Jose Urquidy. Uh, I think the only two knowns that we have is that Fromber Valdez and Justin Verlander are going to be one, two in some form uh, when and if they get to the playoffs. So beyond that, you know, the Hunter Browns and the J.P. Francis probably could use uh, a breather here and there as they approach their innings total that they've never uh, been at before. So uh, it'll be a ton of, kind of a hybrid, I think, between the five and the six-man rotation going forward, especially with all those days off uh, in the final month on Thursday. TK, you mentioned the trade deadline. The one thing we also know that they did is they they added to the bullpen, and we know that this has been a massive strength of this team uh, in the last several years. But when you look at it, you also know that a guy that was a huge piece of it a year ago in Montero had kind of fallen off this year. But now you see Dusty using him in, in, in more higher, higher leverage situations a little bit more frequently. 
How do you think that plays out the 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th? Does he work his way back in between now and playoffs to where he's going to be an, a prominent role again in the back, back side of the bullpen? That's a good one, too. I, I think um, it depends how you define prominent. I don't know if he'll ever be an 8th or ninth inning guy this year. He could be a guy that gets a 7th inning if Hector Neris needs a rest or Kendall Graveman uh, isn't available on a particular day. Obviously, Phil Maton down right now kind of scoops him up, scoops Montero up a little bit towards the backer, back end of the bullpen as opposed to uh, the fifth or sixth inning. So I like the fact that he and Ryan Stanek have kind of pitched better lately. I, I've felt all along that Ryan could be pitching in higher leverage situations and maybe uh, he'll get some more important roles too down the stretch. We'll just have to see. It's not the worst thing in the world that Maton had that injury. You never want to get an injury. I hear you. Mm-hmm. But you also look at where Maton was with his innings. He was much more effective in April, May, and June than he's been uh, in the middle of July and August. So I think it was kind of a good breather for him. Abreu has really been used a lot uh, to get to this point of the season. Uh, he's a horse, so he might be able to get to the finish line feeling strong with as much use as he's had. But if you can give him a breather now and then, uh, whether it's a Montero or a Stanek or a Graveman, uh, obviously to go along with the back three of Neris, Abreu, and, and Presley, it's a nice problem to have. And then when Maytime gets healthy, uh, that'll be the best bullpen we've seen all year since the addition of Kendall Graven if Nathan finds that effectiveness again. Todd Blankers has, uh, has done TV, radio in his career. I, I dabble in some play-by-play myself. We've been around some pregame spreads. You caught our ear yeah. in the Miami series. Can't remember what day. You ate sushi before a game? Of course. <laughs> was it part of the pregame spread? Was it the media spread, or was it a spot? Oh South no, no, Beach? no! Okay, no. Okay. Miami, my, Miami <laughs> has a really good stadium, and they have great people that work there. But one of their strengths is not their media dining. So Blummer <laughs> and I had to find some alternatives over the course of the three-game series. So uh, I think the first day we just we were running out of time, and we just kind of went with whatever concession foods we could find. Uh, then second day. Uh, we went sushi, and then third day, I think we did like one of these rice bowls that was really good. So yeah, we ended up we ended up uh, donating a little bit to the uh, Lone Depot Park concession <laughs> concession there. So yeah, the media dining there uh, was not highly recommended by the crew that's there all year. We were we were giving you a lot of credit, but saying you were living on the edge because yeah. having been there, done that on games. Boy, that's a risk that you don't want to take with media dining if that fish goes bad. <laughs> Woo wee. Yeah, I think uh, Steve Sparks might have a story from that last series that he could share with you guys another time. <laughs> yeah, uh, wrong station. But, Todd, uh, <laughs> Todd, thank you so much for the time. Uh, look forward to, to Blankers talking you down the road. Have a great call. All right, guys. Appreciate that. Todd Callis stopping by on the HRP guest line. Our conversation presented by Academy and the Daspit Law Firm. Astros catching Seattle at a time where Seattle's playing well. J Rod's hot too. Uh, what are we expecting from the Astros Mariners this weekend? And maybe we'll get a dusty lineup in the next few minutes as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five. Pitter patter. Well, pitter patter. Let's get at her. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. 
50 Cent will be back in Houston next week for his final lap tour. Catch all of your favorite songs by the talented rap star 50 Cent at the Toyota Center on Thursday, August 24th, a week from yesterday. Call or 10 to 713-780-3776. Wins a pair of tickets to see the show. You can get all your tickets now at toyotacenter.com. Knows on the mound today. Knows pitching for the Houston Astros today. The great Jonathan Patrick Franz. Get out your Oakley specs, your Mustacho. Yeah, good right. pitching matchup. France nine and three, two seventy four ERA. Miller for Seattle seven and three with a four oh four ERA. Bryce Miller, twenty four year old righty. Good stuff. About a strikeout per inning. For Bryce Miller and Dusty Baker's lineup is out. What is wrong with Dusty Baker's lineup? You want it? You want it, Blankers? Sure. I think you're going to like this one. I think you might like it. All right, Altuve leads it off at second. Bregman bats second, plays third. Kyle Tucker's in right. He hits third. Middle three, Jordan's in left. Yiner is at first base. <laughs> Yiner's at first base. He's followed by the DH, John Singleton. Okay. Chaz McCormick hits seventh place center. Jeremy Pena is the shortstop playing short. And then Martin Maldonado will catch J.P. France, does the catching. Kind of interesting that Yiner's playing first on a day when France is pitching when he usually catches. I'm going to say, Yiner catching France would have been the only thing that I might question. Otherwise, I, I like the lineup. I'm interested to see what Yiner does at first base. And I'm, ex- I'm excited about the opener of the series with that lineup behind uh, uh, J.P. Like, Fromber pitches tomorrow. So Maldi will catch tomorrow. Right. Maybe Yiner catches today and then plays first tomorrow, but then Dusty's going to tell you, I don't want Yiner at first base with a ground ball pitcher. Probably a good play. But I would have rather had Yiner catch JP and then play first for Frommer. I agree with that. And then Sunday, I bet you they'll catch but, Hunter Brown, pitches Sunday, day game. Maldonado would have played pitch or caught two games in a row. So I bet you Yiner goes first base. I don't know if he'll play tomorrow. He might not then, play tomorrow and then he'll because catch Sunday. He wa- you're right. I mean, if you're getting a guy comfortable at first base, trying to see what he can do, you don't want him to have tons of opportunities with a ground ball he'll, pitcher. He'll DH. He'll that, he'll D- that might be because Jordan ground ball pitcher will play left. So Jordan will play back to back days in left. Jordan then will DH on Sunday. Yiner will play first today, DH tomorrow, and then catch, catch Sunday. Sunday. Yep. Yeah. That's, we got to figure it out. That's. Uh, I like this lineup. I like this lineup. I, I don't like think there's the potency of the Astros' offensive lineups now that they're getting healthy. I'm surprised Dusty went three lefties in a four-hitter span. Tucker, Jordan, Yiner, Singleton, instead of maybe Chaz ahead of Singleton. But that's nitpicky stuff. I, I like this lineup. This might be what the lineup looks like, too, if and when Michael Brantley ever comes back. Or single, instead of DHing Singleton, you're DHing Brantley, and he's right there behind Yiner in yeah. front of Chaz. What Todd? Very, very. TK, very, very much on the Michael Brantley. Yeah, he's like, we'll see him soon. Like Paraphrasing, but he's like, yeah, soon. One of the best hitters. Yeah, he was Woo! pretty hyperbolic. Yes. Pretty hyperbolic. He seems to be a big fan of Michael Brantley. I was Brantley. about to follow that up by saying, have you ever been in a situation where the organization has come down on you for negativity? <laughs> he's he's pretty. He's really fair, though. No doubt. He's, he he's really. I mean, yeah. he even talked about, eh, I'd like to see Stanek in, in a more high-leverage spot. I thought he could do that at times. So, uh, Callis real good. TK is real good. But well, I love Blummer, and, and like. the, the beauty of Blummer is the, just the dry humor too. Where on the same point, basically they were talking about some of the teams that have had success against the Astros. And Blummer's like, e- easy now. I want to keep my job. TK, you take that one by yourself. I don't want to. I don't want to get in any trouble here. Yeah, so I like that lineup. I, I like that lineup for Dusty Baker. It should be fun to see Yiner Diaz play a little bit of first. Let's see if he's capable of playing a little bit of first because Yiner Diaz is in my death lineup. Yiner Diaz is in the lineup that I want to see in the playoffs. 
And if Brantley's here, then it's going to have to be at first base because I don't believe that they'll play Maldonado. Or and you're just, you're just thinking Abreu is either done or he's done. I could see him against lefties. I could see him play against first base against lefties with Yiner being not as good against lefties. I wonder if I know he's a good teammate in the locker room and everything like that. But if you are Abreu, are you not a little irked by being platooned? Uh, I don't care. You care, I mean, you that, care no, about no, no, players' well, feelings. I don't care. About I, players well, feelings. I think Dusty does. That's why I'm bringing it up. Dusty does. Yeah. So that's why I don't think that he's going to platoon him. Um, that's a problem. It could that's, be. That's if it a, could if be a, something we're talking about. If Abreu, if the decision is Abreu and Yiner against a righty, and he chooses Abreu, that's a mistake. It's a mistake. But it's something we're going to watch because I think it's going to happen. What do you want of this? Uh, 9458 says y'all's show is getting split up. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I hope so. Blankers hope so. What do you want to see Don't in this speak series? For me. It's, it's, these are your thoughts. <laughs> well, you say, you say every chance you get, you say we're not friends. What do you, um, what do you want to see in this series? I mean, I, I, honestly, after losing three or four the last time you played this team, and, and, and I said it to start the show. Seattle fans are looking at this as another chance to have their World Series. They know that they've been hot. They know that they're chasing Houston. They know we are their daddy until further notice, just i.e. playoffs last year alone. But this is massive for them. No matter how you categorize it, this is massive for Seattle. I'd like to once again just absolutely rain on their parade, step on their throat, and tell them not yet, not now, still not there. So I would like to see them take three of four at home. Realistically, a split is fine. But I would like to get to see them get three of four. Three of they, they only play three. So I'm sorry, two of three. <laughs> That's going to be difficult to do. I would like to see them win the four it. Four game series against Boston. No, okay, that one starts I, I on them. Yeah. I, I would like to see them win the series and take two of three and really yeah. just stomp them out. But you know, obviously, greedy would be a sweep. Give me two of three. I'll take two of three. But uh, two of three is great. Give me two of three. Who do the Rangers have this weekend? They have the Brewers. Is it in Arlington? In Milwaukee is in Arlington. It's in Arlington. I believe so. <sighs> That's I don't I don't love that for the Astros. Hopefully Milwaukee can and, sneak and up they, on the and, Arlington and Rangers and take two of three. I don't think Burns or Woodruff are going to pitch in the series, which sucks. They're, they're missing them. I think they got. A, I think they both pitch against Man, the Dodgers. So two of three. I don't feel good if the Astros go two of three that they're gaining ground because I think the Rangers right. take two of three. I mean, if you were going to face Burns and Woodruff, I would say okay. Well, there's a pretty good chance the Brewers could do some damage in Arlington, Man. but I don't see it happening with those two guys not pitching. Now the Mariners are one of the teams that are trying to chase you in the uh, the wild card. So like. Two of three is nice because then you get a one-game cushion over Seattle. You, you do some things in terms of the tiebreaker. I don't know what the season series is, but the Astros three and a half a game oh, of, uh, ahead of Seattle. I misspoke. They get Woodruff tonight. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, so well, that's a good, that's a, that's a good that sign. Woodruff and Heaney is the matchup. He's been pretty good. Arlington. He has been. He's been pretty good. Uh, earlier in the show, it came to my attention. I didn't know this, that apparently the Oilers back in the day, they stole the Love You Blue Jingle from the Miami Dolphins. Which one are you playing here first, BMAC? You want to play the Oilers? Oilers or the... first. All right, here is the Oilers' old Love You Blue jingle. Are these similar? Here's Love You Blue. Look out, football. Here we come. Houston Oilers. Number one. One of my, like, distant aunts used to be a... What do they call the cheerleaders? The oil Derricks? No, the Derrick Derek Dolls. Derrick Dolls. She used to be a Derrick Doll. I've known a few. Cool. <laughs> All right, so there you go. There's Love You Blue. Now, is this jingle the same as the Dolphins jingle that Miami fans tell you that they've uh, the Oilers stole back in the day? Eh, very different. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from I don't think so. Very much. It's the same lyrics. It's a quicker. It's a quicker. It's quicker. Snare drum and But it's and, the exact same tempo. lyrics. 
Oh, now, there we oh, go. Right there. That it's all, and it was I mean, arrest leading up to that. That's grand theft oh, right there. Arrest are the, them. Are the Houston Oilers vanilla ice? Stilling they under pressure. It, yeah. But they added the symbol at the end. Doom, 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 doom. Yeah, it's pretty similar. <laughs> Wait, how'd it go? It's a little bit different, but it's pretty. That, that part right there was identical. Man. It's yeah. pretty blatant. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty blatant. blatant. Now, that goes on in sports, though. Carlos Benzia lost his crew over something like this. Well, Go Pack Go, which was the long-time, long-time Packers chant, became Go Spurs Go in the Spurs era. Did you see what the Rangers were claiming? They're, that they, they invented the roll call? Did you not see that going down on Twitter the other day that I they were not. doing they were doing roll call? I, I can't remember if it was in right field or left field, but they were doing the roll call where they chant a guy's name and he turns around and greets you. The Rangers were acting like they invented that the other day. That was the, was that the, was it the baseline they, bumps the in Rangers, San Antonio? I, I think it was actually like way back to the Yankees. I thought I know the baseline bums did a lot of that. Everybody stuff. does that. Yeah. Everybody yeah. does. Rangers fans are acting brand new. They, they 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 lead the division three quarters of the way through the year, then all of a sudden they start acting brand new. Freddie Peralta and Dane Dunning on Saturday afternoon. Dunning's been underrated good. He's, a, he's been like their JP Fox. got a 310 ERA. He's been underrated good. All right, that does it for us. Thanks to BMAC for doing all the hard work. He's blank on Branham. It's been real lunchtimers. We'll talk to you Monday at 3.